the Ghost Goal Podcast. We've got some midweek Premier League football for you guys this week, plus a new guest for the first time in a while. Things were getting a bit too, uh, you know, placid around here for a Chelsea and Arsenal fan, so we decided to throw in a Manchester United fan into the mix the week that they play both Chelsea and Arsenal this coming Thursday, the primetime game of this midweek set of fixtures. I'm Alex, here with Javier as usual, and then Kevin, Manchester United fan, friend of Javier's. It's a hell of a week for you to join us, Kevin, because uh, obviously there's plenty going on on the on the Manchester United end of things. Uh, have we had a United, have we had a United fan on our podcast? We, we've had we've had my cousin Connor on. You're before. right. We did uh, once. I remember that. Well, uh, welcome, but, Kevin. But not only the the stuff behind the scenes has been going on at Manchester United, but obviously they got the result at Chelsea. They've got a big game against uh, Arsenal coming up with Ralph Ranick and his first job in or his first game on the job. Before we get into all that, though, because we're obviously we have to. Give us a little bit of your background, Kevin, uh, of you know how you became a Manchester United fan and a Premier League fan in general. Yeah, and sure. Welcome, of course. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's um, it is a really good time to be on. A few weeks ago, we were talking about maybe trying to get me on here, and we were kind of in that pre-Skullshire news phase where the writing was kind of on the wall, but nothing quite happened yet. And also playing both you guys this week it should be a fun one. Um, I got into soccer. I grew up playing. Um, my dad went to a lot of the Cosmos games in the NASL back in the 70s and 80s. His cousin was a ticket manager, so that's how he got into it. Then when the NASL collapsed, he kind of found Roy Keane and the class of 92 and got into United that way. So I just, uh, you know, pretty much the classic strategy of your dad's teams are your teams and teams for life. I know that one very well, Javier, you do not. Ah, fuck off, Alex. <laughs> I, may, I can't I think, imagine I may what have, it would be like I may, have to had, support. I may have chosen my team wrong then. Uh, you guys yeah. both inherited your teams, and I, you I guys always, inherited I always way better teams than me. Fan. Yeah, no, it's not usually by by choice, but this one was. Well, so you've been a United fan for life, then. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd say I really started getting into it like late middle school, maybe early high school. Cool. Like, yeah, I mean that's really when I got into football as well. I think, and I mean, Alex, you like Chelsea, but you weren't like obsessed with like the Premier League, right? Until middle schoolish as well. Uh, well, I mean, went to my first game in two thousand one. Okay. So I was like nine yeah. years old, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But that's awesome. I have yet to go to the Emirates. I do need to do that one day. My, we'll my first game was day, my high school you. graduation gift from my father. That was a pretty good one. Oh, that's well, what game was that? Uh, United West Ham in 2008. Um, United won 4 1. Nanny got sent off, Ooh, and Dean Ashton scored you a have, ridiculous uh, did you get to watch, So you got to watch Ronaldo? Did Ronaldo play in yeah, that yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Young that Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Tevez, Rooney, Nani. What a team. What a team. I think Skulls and Gigs both played too. <clears throat> That'll bring us back around to uh, Man United. Where to start? We can't. We're not going to start with the the Chelsea game. We're going to start with the, the backroom stuff. I think. Sure. Given obviously uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's recent uh, leaving of the club and the recent news of Ralph Ranick uh, taking over a uh, somewhat legendary uh, German footballing coach that a lot of the current German managers attribute a lot of their success and tactics towards. What are your realistic expectations for the rest of this season that you think United should be aspiring to now that Ranić has come in? Uh, I'm sure this Chelsea result off the weekend will give you something to look forward to, but just how optimistic are you now given the change mid-season? Well, I think like a lot of other people, I mean, we say Randick's legendary, and I've heard his name before, but you know, to be totally honest, I didn't know all that much about him until Nor I did my I. reading this week. 
Um, I, I had heard, I think Klopp mentioned him as, you know, one of his mentors and he's the founder of Guggen Press and I've been doing a ton of reading about him, his systems and his philosophy. Um, but I think mostly he's been successful behind the scenes, especially with the Red Bull clubs, Leipzig. And my expectations for the rest of the season aren't particularly high. I mean, I think top four is going to be a very uphill battle. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get it. Uh, the nice thing, though, is that we're into the knockout stage of the Champions League. And with a little bit of luck, I mean, maybe we can make a run and go for the Chelsea strategy, where your league season's kind of out the door already, and you just go for a tournament run and see what happens. Uh, the they squad's got plenty Cristiano of talent. Ronaldo. They've got Ronaldo, exactly. The squad's got plenty of talent. You're never out of a tournament game when you have Ronaldo up front. And, you know, maybe Ragnick can inject a little bit of life into the team, and we can win a few games. It only takes, what, eight more, nine more games to win the Champions League. So who knows? You certainly won't hear me shoot you down. Uh, uh, seeing, like you just said, Chelsea just did something similar last season. I, I would kind of argue our, our, our squad is a little bit better or was a little bit more like set up to go on a run. But then again, no one was predicting that from a Chelsea team back in January of this year. So it's, uh, it's kind of hard to predict. I'll give you a little bit of agreement, a little bit of disagreement. I think... Your team was closer to being ready to win the tournament. I don't think Man United is really ready to win it. But, you know, on paper, the talent of individual players in Man United is very high. So, it, you know, if Ragnick can shake things up significantly, you never know. And, yeah, I'm not expecting to win Champions League. I'm not, you know, going crazy here. But, you know, you never know what happens. Yeah, well, the, the main reason you can be optimistic, I, I personally think, is that Ragnick, uh, over his time, he's, he's not a trophy winner. No, no one's saying he's been brought in to win United trophies and get them back into the league hunt this season. But he is sort of a a mind freak in that he's one of those managers similar to Bielsa and Tuchel. You could you could probably say that he, he does have this ability and uh, he puts an effort into tapping into a player's mind and, and make, improving them as a player uh, intellectually, which, you know, it's not really something you can quantify, but it, it's something that he manages to pull off Time and time again, uh, you know, Hoffenheim and Leipzig can likely attribute their current, like, uh, very solid standing in Bundesliga to him and to his managerial and, you know, executive spells there. So you've got something good going. Um, yeah. And it looks like he's going to be stepping up into the, into like an executive position or a footballing director position at the end of the season. So he'll get to evaluate the players and then appoint the next or help appoint the next manager. Javier, what were you going to say about him? No, I was just going to say that like that's what I've heard about him is that he basically built those two clubs from the ground up and that for me it's, you know, it, it'll be nice to have him as an interim manager, but it seems like the even bigger signing is having him in that back room for the next couple of years to to kind of steer United back to to like title winning ways cuz I think you guys are are far off from being a title winning side right now. I think before you bought Ronaldo you were closer you know, before you brought in Ronaldo, and I think bringing in Ronaldo, um, like I've said on this spot a few times, is, I think has almost brought the team, at least in the league format. Like you said, maybe in Champions League something's going to happen, but in the league over a 38 games, if you're re- relying on Cristiano Ronaldo game in and game out, I, I think it's going to be a problem. And I think Radnick's is still going to have that problem when he comes in, and I don't think he's going to be able to solve it. Um, I think they're going to have to get rid of Ronaldo in order to, to move forward as a team. Um, and I think until then, maybe you can spike a tournament like an FA Cup or uh, or a Champions League, but you're not you're not going to win a, a long format uh, over a, a long season with a th- almost 37 year old striker who 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 can't do the the work off the ball. 
I'm not so convinced about that. I mean, about Ronaldo in particular. There's a few strikers I'd rather have up front playing for me in the Premier League, and he's already got, what, I don't know. He's got a few goals in the Premier League. He's on pace for 20 or something like that. It, I, I don't think it's his right fault. The, the reason four. we can't, yeah. The, the reason we but can't. like four um, or five in Champions League too, so. Right. He, that's what he always does. He always gets, you know, those two goal games against some of the lesser group stage Champions League opponents. But I, the, the big issue with the league is that we're in 10th place currently, I think, last time I looked. And then you just look at the way Liverpool, Chelsea, and City are playing. I mean, there's only one spot left in the top four, and we're way behind the pace. You, so. you moved up to eighth with that draw. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're still... How many points down is that? Uh, you're five points out of top four, and then, I mean, 12 points Okay, so, so it's not as far as I thought. I mean, maybe it brings me shake things up, we'll have a shot, but... Um, it just feels worse because of the form. Right. Uh, I, I can understand that, and you feel like you have no idea where your next win is coming from. Which, I mean, that kind of leads us perfectly into the Arsenal game. I, so I know you want to talk about Chelsea. You can probably use some of the things you saw from that that Chelsea game to apply them to what you think is going to happen on Thursday when, when you guys host Arsenal. But if your home form is anything to, to be looked at, like it, it seems like just as tough of a game as the Chelsea away game uh, for you guys, especially with how well Arsenal are playing and how tough they've been to break down. How, are you optimistic at all going into this game? No, not really. I mean... I, I, I was expecting to lose against Chelsea too, but um, during that Chelsea game, I was going to say I was looking at the top of the screen and they were showing our form, and it was loss, loss, win, loss, loss. And we—I don't know what we're going to get. It's not even 100% clear yet if Ragnick's going to be on the touchline. He might still be working on a work permit. I think the latest I've heard is that it's still up in the air. Um, against Arsenal at home, it's a home game. We can win, tie, or, law, or lose, and honestly, none of it would surprise me. I have no idea what's going to happen. How do you feel with the game, Javi? I mean, what are your expectations of both Arsenal and Man United? You guys are kind of on the up right now, but I, I don't, I don't just, feel like it's hopeless at all. giving him a layup. No, don't do I, this to him, Kevin. We need, yeah. to, we need to temper his expectations. No, no, he's no, getting but a I, bit too full of himself. No, recently. I like a different strategy. I like to build him up, and then his, his spirit gets crushed when they lose. It's even better <laughs> right, to break him true, down. It's true. Yeah. If we lose to Manchester United right now, I'm, I'm going to be pretty, pretty crushed right now. But what I will say is Manchester United has not beaten Arsenal in the league for three years. Arsenal has... Especially Arteta seems to have had a good record against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the current players that are there. Cristiano Ronaldo was a menace when he was in the Premier League against Arsenal, so I'm a little bit scared for to be playing against him again. Um, but I still think that if Cristiano Ronaldo starts, which I think because he didn't start on the weekend, I'm almost sure he's going to start on Thursday, I think Ben White and Gabriel are just going to have their way. And you could see you could see in the Chelsea game, Thiago Silva, Jorginho. I mean, they were getting pressed because it was Jaden Sancho, Rashford, and Bruno like uh, in the front three, and and they had three hardworking midfielders in in Fred McTominay, um, and it was Matic. They didn't press and Matic. Well, I might add they didn't. They did but, not. They but did I'm not. saying, but they had more energy than they, when they have Ronaldo. When they brought on Ronaldo, I mean, you could tell off the ball. United don't work as a team because they can see I, I I thought I thought that the press developed okay under under Solskjaer last season. They were at times good. But then this season it's almost been non existent since the beginning. And to me that brings like a it's not that you don't press, right? Because every top team presses. It's it's the pressing as a pack and as a unit, which for years Arsenal hasn't done. It's until this season that I'm seeing Arsenal do that more and, and the players, like, we're still naive. We're still not that great in our press, but 
I've only seen it really improve this year, and I've seen United's press get so much worse year, worse this year, which for me makes number one the control of games not be there. So like last season, United would win games against you know so-called lesser opposition, mid-table, lower-table teams four four one. You know, something maybe they would score first and then United would score three in, in like a volley. You guys aren't doing that this season. There isn't like that same, I feel like, just well, inevitability that you guys are going to win some of these games. I, I think our primary pattern of play under Skullshire was just sit back and hit, have Pogba hit a long ball to Rashford. I mean, how many times did we see that past two or three years? So we weren't, I mean, as Alex said, we didn't press well against Chelsea, but under Skullshire, we haven't really been a high press team at all. I mean, we, we kind of do sit deeper. We play two holding midfielders all the time, Fred and McTominay. And we've got a lot of speed on the wings with Greenwood, Rashford, and Sancho. So, I mean, sit back and counter has been the name of the game. And I think that's why people are so, so excited about Ralph Ragnick coming in and, and flipping that on its head and playing a little bit more on the front foot. Now, do you think he can play Cristiano Ronaldo in that type of strategy? If you want to, like, press from... Because you always have to press from the front. Like, that's why you see even... Even if a striker's not on good form, someone like Timo Werner or, like, Obama Yang... The fact that they can still press the the goalie and the defenders constantly ninety minutes throughout the game is invaluable. Like Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't do that. Do you think the rest of the players, and 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 I don't mean the rest of the players. Just I think Bruno Fernandez, as good as he's been for Manchester United since he came in, it's undeniable what the difference has been this season since last season. So Bruno Fernandez has four goals in the league. I think three or two have been from penalties. He has two assists. He doesn't have anywhere close to the the attacking in terms of chances created or shots. So right now he's averaging 0.58 shots per game. Last season he was averaging 1.7. That was his average per game throughout an entire season. So right now he's just taking way less shots. He exactly expected though. Right, but what I'm saying is last and I've said this many times before. This was Bruno Fernandez's team for the last year and a half. It changed to Cristiano Ronaldo's team now. I think that that's made Manchester United a worse team, and until it goes back, which is why you can ask Alex this. I, I said to I, I said think to that's Alex, crazy. Maybe you that's think crazy. Ronaldo and a team makes it worse. No way. Well, when he's thirty six years old and he can't do the work offside the ball anymore, well, it's not like he's ever done that much pressing. But at least he before he was he. I don't know. I think now it's just he's just a passenger when 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 United don't have the ball now. So I don't know if Ralph Ragnar is going to play Ronaldo or not, but he's still one of the best goal scorers in the world. Stand him in front of the goal. He will get you goals every game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm more curious what Ralph Reddick's going to do with our midfield than what he's going to do with Ronaldo. I think he'll play Ronaldo most of the time. Maybe not every game, but, you know, 75% of games. Especially most Champions, of the Champions League games. League games. All Champions yeah, exactly. League games. I would expect him to start and play all 90 minutes. In the league, yeah, he'll get some rest, especially when we have a Champions League game coming up. Um, I'm more curious what he's going to do with the midfield. Is he going to keep the kind of double hold that Ollie's been going for or really shake it up and do something like a 4-3-3? Uh, with Ronaldo in the middle of maybe a Sancho and a Rashford on the wings. Um, is Van de Beek going to come into the team and start every game in the midfield? I wouldn't be surprised given Ragnick's comments on Van de Beek in the past. Um, but who else would he play? I mean, I could see Fred being like exactly the type of player that Ragnick would love. Just high energy, constantly pressing. In the game against Chelsea, I don't know what you saw, Alex, but I thought he was one of our better players. And I'm not normally a huge fan of Fred, but he was making tackles left and right, flying around the field. Yeah, well, most people would probably just sort of default to the the failed chip and just sort of just dismiss He's not there his to performance. Score goals, that's exactly why. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just saying that's the main memory that like comes to your head when you think of Fred's game against Chelsea. But you can't dismiss just the overall work rate. Uh, but he he has a game like that 
in him from time to time. Like we've seen it in other pretty big games against teams like City. And so that's not surprising. He's one of the players that actually kind of uh, another question I had for you was uh, which player do you think would be most improved by Rangnick's arrival? And he's kind of one of the players I had in mind when I was like thinking of this question, because it's going to, like I said, with Tuchel coming in at Chelsea, he sort of magically coached up a whole slew of players. Jorginho is the biggest one that I think. Well, Jorginho, Rudiger, Christensen, a bunch of them have, you know, became like world class overnight with Tuchel. Rangnick is going to be asked to do the same thing. So I don't blame you if your answer is Fred, but is there any other player? No, nah, it, it would be that Fred, Rangnick actually. Turn around? I don't know if turnarounds are a word. I mean, some players are just on the ascendancy either by default or just because of the way that they're adjusting to the Premier League and getting their feet under them. So the first one that comes to mind is Sancho. He's been, uh, you know, it was kind of a slow start in the Premier League for him after how well he performed in Germany. But he's, he's finally getting it again. He scored against Chelsea. He's, he's looking good. He's looking sharp. So I wouldn't be surprised if Sancho improved kind of the most since the start of the year from, you know, here forward. Van de Beek will improve just by the fact that he's probably going to play. I would assume he's going to get played, um, which he almost never did under Skullshire. Yeah. I mean, the fans have been calling out for, uh, for Donny for a long time. And these, even these few opportunities he's gotten under Carrick or, you know, at the very end of Skullshire's reign when he only got a few minutes at the end of the game, he looks good. The guy can play. So I, I would expect Donnie to become a much bigger piece for us under Regnick. And uh, I think you'll just see Sancho uh, take off from where he is now. So those would be my two picks. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, wrapping up on the United-Arsenal talk just give me your, your thoughts on what, what your final prediction for it is. I feel like we haven't discussed the fact that, you know, Harry Maguire is going to be back for this one. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because he hasn't like been playing well this year. If he had played yeah. against us. Lindelof, <laughs> I think Lindelof's been better this year, and I've been a big critic of Lindelof in the past, but this year, you got to call it what it is. Lindelof's been solid. Looks like Saka might be injured for this game, but Martinelli slot, slotted in seamlessly we can, we can in the last hope. game. We can only hope. Yeah, I won't mind Martinelli starting. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys to stop dancing around it, and one of you pull the trigger and give me a score prediction. Javier, since you, since you're one of the hosts, you can you can you can go first, uh, and and let Kevin react to that. I'll say two one Arsenal. I'll look at him. We uh, this is what I mean, Kevin. He's, win, he's getting too confident. I know nah, that you guys won there last year. We, but we it was always a have penalty. yeah, exactly. We have United's number, and I don't think that I think that we're gonna be not a bigger challenge than Chelsea, but. I think we'll choose your we'll words create, carefully. We'll create more chances than you did at Old Trafford. Well, we had we had twenty five shots on t- yes, uh, shots not, total. Not many, we had fifteen corners. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, not we that many were good chances. chances. And we've yeah, got not that hands, many were so. good chances. You know, Although Rams, Rams has an unbelievable too. Got to got to call that out. Yeah, I'm expecting Rams God. Rams God. This this uh, Don Thursday, he's going to save a couple. Of Ronaldo, like Ronaldo's going to be freaking out at all of Ramsdale saves. United will get a goal, though. It's one possibility. So, you know, I, I know I said anything could happen. I think we're going to win. And leave it to an Arsenal fan to pull out the obscure uh, stat of, like, we haven't lost you in the league, like, in one specific competition over this cherry-picked amount of time to justify how they're going to perform at Old Trafford. I think we're going to win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see 3-1 United. Three this one Manchester United. Yeah, this is. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Is, I like it. This is. Sacrilegious. I like it. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sit on the fence and say one one because now that that's a that's a I, that's a likely result. I would take a draw to be honest. Away at your rivals is always a good result. 
a I'm picking a score. I'm picking the score that I think is most likely. But like I said, this I mean, with our form as we discussed, like who knows what's going to happen. Also, who scores three goals on us other than Liverpool? And Jaden Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo are pretty good scoring goals. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that Sancho new manager bump one goal Javier. this season. The new, the new, he's got You're all hyped up over Sancho got one goal. He's got two, two goals in his last two games, or three games. Oh, my God. Tomiyasu's going to have Sancho in his pocket. How many goals does Aubameyang have in his last three games? Not too many. <laughs> I think one. All right, well, let's uh, move on from the uh, Manchester United-Arsenal talk. It's looking forward to that game for sure. Uh, but that, that's going to be like the last... You know, game on the on the slate uh, scheduled for Thursday, but we're gonna run it back to Tuesday. This this I guess the equivalent to a weekend's worth of games uh, will start Tuesday at two thirty p.m. A relegation six pointer. It's the first official relegation six pointer of the season. Newcastle versus Norwich. This game kind of got interesting. Team in the league, like with no wins yet. Right. Norwich have you know two uh, wins and a draw in their last. Yeah. Three games. In the last three. Yes. Yeah, that's huge. They're off. They're off the foot of the table. They're tied with Burnley. It's also interesting because Newcastle's in last, even though we know they're about to get an injection of players. But they so, need to pick up points where they can. I've noticed that every you know that every team right now, whenever they play Newcastle, they're just. Oh, they're I, I'm sure game. everyone's trying, trying but yeah. everyone's trying just that tiny little bit more against Newcastle because everyone wants them to go down. Every team in the league. So I mean, it's against the spirit of football. So right. So please, Norwich, spank their asses. I would love if just Eddie Howe just flames out. I feel like Newcastle none of us fucked. fans, none of us fans of any team that uh, committed to go to the Super League can make any sort of comments about it being against the spirit of football. <laughs> I, th- I think you can. I mean, it's a difference between you know having your team built on football heritage versus just getting new owners who have uh, yeah, Chelsea fucks. I mean, that's all yeah, I meant. Fucking really rich billionaire <laughs> blood cunts, motherfucker. I mean, I'm no, I'm no fan of the Glazers though, so you know. Yeah, 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 yeah but, I was about to say. But we built yeah. our clubs on heritage. Chelsea's dirty oil blood money, just like uh, City and uh, now Newcastle. So. I mean, Arsenal. Yeah, Alex, Arsenal you can't a, complain. A, You're right, Alex. Arsenal you had a when you look in the mirror, you see Newcastle. For a while. So. What? No. Uh, yeah, Usmanov. You guys had him for a little bit there. Yeah, and then he moved on to Everton. Yeah, right. so Stan Kroenke as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to get into this, and I don't know how we got here. I guess I knew, but, but how would we get here from Newcastle versus Norwich? I'll never know. Uh, <laughs> but that's going to be a really good game. I mean, it's I know it's two shit teams, but that's the beauty of the Premier League. It's two shit teams well, that are desperate for a win. And I, I, yeah, exactly. I'd yeah, arguably that game say could this be like is a must three, win for three, Newcastle. By the way. That game could have... Because Eddie Howe has these to this team attacking. Dean Smith has Norwich attacking. Pookie's back. So this could be a fun game. I could see it being 2-2 two, two or 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, the one thing I noticed about Eddie Howe's first game on the sideline was Norwich played a much higher line. I mean, their, their press went way forward. You mean Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't look terrible against you, uh, you guys over the weekend. I know they lost, but... Still a de- decent effort, I thought. The other game on Tuesday will be Leeds hosting Crystal Palace at 3.15. Uh, then Wednesday will kick off. That's the biggest chunk of games will be on Wednesday. Southampton hosting Leicester. Did anyone else feel like Leeds have just kind of like lost their spark? I don't yeah, know. When I watch yes. that team play this season, I just don't see the same team I saw I kinda, last I kind of fancy Palace in that game. So, I, yeah, they just, they're just not... They're pressing game and they're... Like the whole outworking the other team that they did last season... It seems like teams this season almost have adapted and have like a lot of them have 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 copied what like Tuchel did last year have are doing similar formations and the stuff that Bielsa did last year is just not working this year. Also losing Bamford for 
you know, significant yeah, that hurts. portion of the season. That hurts. When, when, when Dan James went there, I was happy for him. I thought that was a great move and he was going to help Leeds improve and it just hasn't worked out at all, has it? No, it has not. But that that's, I mean, both those games, I mean, for a, for a time on Tuesday, the Newcastle-Norwich game and Leeds-Crystal Pal- Palace game will be going on at the same time for at least one half of each game. Uh, I, I don't know which one I would choose to pick to watch uh, all of because I feel like there's plenty I'm of goals. I'm watching Newcastle on... for sure. Okay. Uh, that Wednesday slate of games will start with Southampton, Leicester City, like I said, uh, at 2.30 p.m. Uh, Watford will host Chelsea. We can uh, sit on this one for a little bit. I know most people will probably look at this and think Watford close to the bottom of the table. You know, Chelsea, you're going to get an easy win. But I'm telling you right now, Vicarage Road has always been a, a difficult ground for, for Chelsea to go to. I feel like that's true of a couple of the other top teams. But I, I, I'm I'm going to go really conservative here and, and just say 1-0, All especially right. with All it right, being... All right, Alex. I brought in Romelu Lukaku, and I might captain him because you guys are going to spank them. You did how this many, last time against Newcastle, How many points can you score from the bench? Too. Right. Oh, shit. You think I, Javier, I'm, uh, I'm here to tell you Lukaku's I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that... I'd be worried about it. I don't know if it's it's true or not, but I'm a little worried that Tuchel doesn't think Lukaku can play the full 90 minutes right now because he should have brought him on with about 30 minutes to go against Manchester United. I agree. And he brought him on for the last 10 minutes and he barely got like three or four touches. Yeah, but Tuchel does that every game. He never makes the changes in, uh, like early enough, so... That's just. Typical I mean, I don't know Tuchel. about that. He's a guy who's been, you know, uh, he's taken. You've players always off complained at, at about that. The one thing you complain about Tuchel is like sometimes he doesn't make the changes quick enough. And yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is there is a reason for that because in games where he has right, the opportunity you, to make a change early, Watford he will do it. A couple of weeks ago, and I know that we uh, only beat them one nil, but we should have beaten them like three or four nil. And United at the same time, I know that United lost four one, but they were like they were. Coming back, it was 2-1, and then that red card happened. I think United would have gotten, like, a draw or a win if that red card didn't happen. So, Wofford are fucking trash. Like, they know how to attack, but they still have, like, Craig Cathcart and, like, Adam it's, Messina and, it's, like... It's Troost Ekong, the center back. I don't know if you saw him against Leicester so the other day. Hey, don't, don't be so mean to Wofford. You know, I, I lived in Wofford for a, a brief period of time. <laughs> it's so. a nice area, isn't it? Uh, nice. yeah, I, I don't completely shit on Watford. It's the the furthest north you can go before you just you know come to you know the the complete like desolate part desolate of the, the north. Yeah, exactly. You know, Watford is still London to me. Uh, it's still civilization. But after, uh, after living there, I don't event, think it's London, it's, but it is civilization. I'll give you that. It's definitely not like it's it's not London, but you know that the, the, the common joke is like if you go north of Watford, you're in yeah. the north in yeah. England, which is yeah. you know viewed as a death, desolate landscape. Uh, it's all jokes, people. It's all jokes. But yeah, that, that I know, Javier, you're thinking I'm crazy for saying only 1-0, but I, I think with the midweek game and West Ham away coming up this weekend, you're going to see yeah, a lot of rotation. This would be easy, just like the Newcastle game was, where you were worried. You're like, oh, it's always hard for us to go to Newcastle. Yeah, well, guess what, Alex? You're probably winning the league. It's not hard for you to go to Newcastle and Watford anymore, okay? I'd go, yeah, 3-1, 4-1, Chelsea. 3-0. 3-1 or 4-1, something okay. like that, yeah. Hey, I'm picking a win oh, for actually, us. Oh, actually, no, wait, you're right, you're right. Emmanuel Dennis God, 3-1. You're right. right Dennis is so. unbelievable right now. Then maybe have Pulisic Seems to be the too. only way that we concede goals these days is if we give away a penalty or we just literally hand the ball to the opponent at midfield with no one else behind Chelsea, us. Chelsea so. only five goals conceded this season? Can you break the record, Alex? No. You're on pace. I, didn't, I never, at no what, point what did I ever think we could break 12 goals by Chelsea in 2004, 2005. 15 by Chelsea in 
2004-2005. only conceded that, five goals right there's, now. There's no way. They're going to give up more goals. Yeah, there's probably no way. They're playing in other competitions. Yeah. Just no I, I never, for one second, even when we'd only conceded like one goal, like six or five or six weeks into the season, I never thought we could break that record because the league is just so much more competitive now, top to bottom. So the other games on Wednesday, also in that 2.30 p.m. slot, will be West Ham at Brighton and uh, Wolves Burnley. Uh, and the Wednesday slate of games will finish up with two very, very tasty games. Aston Villa hosting Manchester City Wednesday at 3.15 p.m. and Everton hosting Liverpool. Less tasty due to Everton's form, but still a Merseyside derby. So let's jump back to the Villa-Man City game real quick. Wait, wait, wait. Just I want to say a couple things. Um, really? About West Ham-Brighton? Which no, one? No, 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 no. Well, the West Ham-Brighton game should be a fun game, but I was going to say Burnley have sneakily been on decent form recently unbeaten in their last four i mean well, yeah, the, the weather helps them there yeah since their game with tottenham got postponed but, but on i thought Sunday wolves and him and were on the, the way only up ones that couldn't week. clear snow yeah and, and wolves as well exactly and i think wolves have been pretty good i mean they're in sixth place they just drew with norwich after beating west ham so it's like they're, they're a little bit jackal and hide right now but these are two teams that have been especially burnley burnley's been like way more attacking in the last few weeks and it's been kind of weird ever since like Maxwell Cornet came into the side. I don't know. I, I, Burnley's been fun to watch for me this last couple of weeks, so I think that Wolves Burnley game could be fun too. That's all I wanted to say, Alex. I'm just I'm just curious because we have literally have no, no other new information on Burnley. They didn't play over the weekend. <laughs> well, they had a three three with Crystal Palace, a one one yeah. with Chelsea. They beat Brentford three one, and then two two with Southampton. They've been banging in the goals, Alex. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely. They more even scored now. against you guys, that. so that, that's impressive. Yeah, but what, what's very impressive to me is how Aston Villa have come out in these first two games under Steven Gerrard. They've looked like they've so far gotten the balance down between how to sort of defend uh, consistently while also posing an attacking threat. I mean, we were crying uh, for, just for up wasn't to there be benched, before. right? For well, you well, thought Watkins should have been benched, but. Well, uh, Ings, is, Ings has had an injury, the, especially for the, the Palace game over the weekend that they won. He was he was out with an injury. But yeah, it seems like Gerard is, is you know, found his footing. But this is obviously a very, very big test. Do we give Villa any sort of chance here? Got the home boost? Little form on their side? Anyone? No one? No, we don't. Red City buries them. No. I, I, I kind of, I kind of do, actually, purely because there's been a, a couple of these already this season where City slipped up. And we haven't really expected it. We've always been like, yeah, yeah, City are just going to bury them. It's going to be easy. And you're right, Alex. Like, I I looked at the Villa lineup in the last game that they played. And for the first time this season, there was one time under Dean Smith where they they played that. They lost 3-0 to you guys, and they looked really good. And I thought, okay, maybe they can carry this on. But ever since then, I haven't felt like, like a Villa lineup that's come out has looked good. I thought that this Villa lineup, um, where they played it like a 4-3-3, Basically, Ramsey, Nakamba, and McGinn in midfields. Ashley Young starting at left wing in the Palace game. Yeah, That's no, what- and just like having having a more flexible front line than you know two strikers. Having Leon Bailey with the freedom of going across that front line, and then three in midfield really freed up McGinn to get forward and play that like basically the 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 Grealish box role that box. they had last season. And Nakamba and Ramsey just like shut down the midfield, and 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 you had that, those two holding players. 
And I feel like they, they haven't played that to their strength. And this is what they played with last season. They just really haven't done that that much this season. And Steven Gerrard was uh, one of the best midfielders of all time. I mean, you got to think that if there's going to be a place where he's going to impact, it's going to be in that midfield. And I don't know. I, I I think Villa could do something. I think they, I think they could get like a draw out of this game. I'll say, Famous I'll last say, words. I'll say 2-2. Two, two. See, I did the exact same thing for Manchester City hosting West Ham over the weekend. I wasn't far off. But it, it didn't happen. <laughs> Obviously, hey, what, West Ham, won, I want to say they lost that game, but they stayed in it till the yeah. 90th minute it took City to score the second goal. And then they scored in the 95th minute. Like, that game could have that was easily a decent been game a draw. That one. Yeah. yeah, and West Ham yeah. played. Like, I know that I was saying I didn't think Rice and Suchek would be able to handle the City midfield. And to be fair, like, they, they did kind of get run over. But at times, Rice still was showed that even against an absolute world-class team like Manchester City, I mean, that that he needs to go to a better team because he's just an unbelievable player. He still played so well against Manchester City. West, West Ham won that game for every minute, and I wouldn't mind taking rest if they want to get rid of him. Yeah, uh, pony up like $150 million. 100 is probably worth it. Probably 100 They probably take it. Well, you know, Manchester United overpay for all their big signings, so 150 is probably what, if, what it would take. If we've take. got one thing, yeah. we've got money, so... Let's use it. Yeah. Uh, and Ings was not injured. He was on the bench and just an unused substitute. Oh, okay. I heard he had a, like yeah. a knock. And, no, they and just benched him. And, and he didn't even bring him on. He just brought on El Ghazi, Buendia, and De- Douglas Luiz, which is, again, like I, I think it's better to go this route with Villa is focus on one striker, and Watkins is probably the future. Um, so focus on him. And then you bring in players like Buendia, El Ghazi, Leon Bailey. They, they have such good wingers. Like all those wingers. Like El yeah, Ghazi was so good last season. So was um, Traore. I think Traore is hurt right now. But like they have four, I'm not going to say world class, but ba- Leon Bailey is probably getting close to they world class. They have zero world class like, wingers. Yeah, they have zero world class. But, the, <laughs> four, but, they're, all, but they're all, they all have potential, yeah, they're, they're all right? Decent. They all have potential. Yeah. Buendia's young. El Ghazi's young. They're all, they're all young. Um, but I think they need to use their wingers more. And uh, I'll, I'm going to say 2-2. I like Villa for this one. No way. 2-0 City. 2-0 City. Okay, I'll I'll go with uh, 3-1 Manchester City. Uh, the one interesting wrinkle we haven't mentioned yet that could possibly be on the table um, if he can get over this uh, this injury that he's got. I can't even see what the injury is. But, Foden? Uh, Jack, no, Jack Grealish. Uh, returning to Aston Villa, obviously. Wasn't healthy for the last game against I West Ham. I think City Ham looked better and... without him. Maybe that's a hot take, but I, he, he tries yeah. to, like, control... When I've seen him play for City, he just tries to like, control the ball and be the center of everything, and the team is just better when they play more fluid, like the Pep Barcelona style. I don't know about that. I feel like it's kind of the, the, the teething problems that, you know, aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, like, a, introducing a different factor to the City lineup. Maybe it is, maybe, maybe it's, it's not. not. Grealish is a great player. I just... From what I've seen watching the games, it looks. Like I think it's gonna take it's gonna take know. a while for the teammates to be able to play with him and like for him to learn to play with his teammates. But I think more so than that, we have to talk about like the form of the the city midfield right now because as good as Suchek and Rice were in that last game, Bernardo, Rodri, and Gundogan were. Yeah, obscene. I mean, they were unbelievable. Like Gundogan, Bernardo, both easily could have had a couple of goals in that game. Rodri was just an absolute beast again in midfield. And, I mean, that's the one place where I think Villa are going to have to improve a lot and have in these first couple of games under Gerard. And I'm really interested to see that battle in midfield. So, um, But right now, Bernardo Silva, I think, is leading the team in goals. And, I mean, this is a player who last season, I think he only had two goals. And we were talking about him possibly leaving in the summer. 
you know, now he's established himself as almost like the the center forward cam. Uh, De Bruyne hasn't really been scoring and assisting lately. It doesn't matter. It's just like they they have so many players throughout the team that that do the work and that score goals and get assists. Raheem Sterling's back. He looks back to his best. You know, I was calling him fat earlier in the season, and he was, but he's back to being his 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 absolute best. He's been electric in these last few games for City, and a, a hearth, healthy Raheem Sterling really is scary for for the rest of the league. But let's see, because they've been slipping up a lot, City in these in these midweek kind of weird games like this, and I kind of have a feeling they're going to do it again. Well, that is that'll bring us to the uh, other three fifteen p.m. game on Wednesday. Everton hosting Liverpool, the first Merseyside derby of the season, one that looked a lot more enticing uh, around the start of the season than it is now. Uh, Everton, obviously, Rafa Benitez, former Liverpool, I think coach, Rafa's on the, the hot Champions seat League with them as the next. Like, yeah, I, I was just about Sack. to get there. If this game goes bad, he's going to be in trouble, and there's a good chance this game's going to go bad for Everton. Yeah, they they don't have a win in their last uh, five, at least. The only point they've they've gained in the Premier League was at home to Tottenham in one of the more forgettable games this season. I mean, they're home for this Liverpool game, which I'm sure their their fans will be behind them. Uh, first Merseyside derby with fans uh, for for a minute. I feel so a little sure bit for excited, Benitez. But... I feel Dude, ask a me, for Benitez. ask me. It's hard to be behind your team when you're down four 0 at halftime. This right. Liverpool team is red hot. Benitez got no support. I mean, they made. They spent 2.5 million in the summer when they gave Ancelotti like 200 million or 180 million or whatever that they spent last summer. So this isn't his team, and I know that like at the beginning of the season they were doing pretty well with Townsend and Rondon and Damari Gray, like as the three summer signings were all playing pretty decently, but they've completely fallen off. Calvert Lewin still hasn't come back from that injury that was supposed to only be a few weeks that has now turned into several months. Uh, Richarlison doesn't look like he wants to play at Everton right now. I mean, every time Everton play, Richarlison just, you can see, starts complaining from like the first few minutes at the referee. Right, he's always been a complainer. He is, but even more so now. I mean, you can tell that he doesn't think that he should be on that team. I mean, he shouldn't. He's better than them. But Everton are a mess right now. And yeah, I think I think Liverpool like, wipes the floor. Richarlison is better than them? I think, he, well, I mean, have he's you have been you heard there through a lot of the mediocrity? So I know I he has, really, but I like, really say he's like players like yeah, but like I think things. if you if you were to put Richarlison on like Manchester City or like United or any other team, I mean, he I think he'd be a lot he'd look a lot better than he does on Everton if he just had better players around him. I mean, he does look well, better when he plays for Brazil. They're not helping him his sell on value. I'll, I'll, I'll no, t- they're not give right that now. Much. But so so that that's it. Everton have no chance. Liverpool are winning. I kind of think they're going to have to fire Benitez, and I don't know who they're going to bring in, but Everton are in trouble right now. I mean, I don't think they're in relegation trouble. This feels like one of those games to me where like a 1-0 loss is a lot different than a a 3-0 or a 4-0. Like if you lose 1-0 against Liverpool, Rafa's not going to be in much trouble. That's a really good team. I would agree with that. Yeah. And to be fair to Everton, I know that they haven't been great lately, um, but at least defensively, Rafa has had them playing games tight. I know they haven't been getting results and they have been scoring goals. I think that's been their their biggest problem is they just haven't been able to score goals. Um, and for Everton, you know, they're a team who in the past, I feel like they've been kind of known for scoring goals. Like they used to have kind of swashbuckling teams under, you know, Marco Silva and under David Moyes. Like they, they'd always score a lot of goals. Now their, their identity is kind of like a defensive counterattacking team. And you can tell the Everton fans don't like that. 
they don't like that style. They think they should always be on the front foot, especially when they're at home. So I kind of think Benitez is just inevitably going to get the sack because his style doesn't match with average. Yeah, it was always an uphill battle for him to win their trust too. Right, exactly. Being yeah. the former Liverpool manager, like the fact that he's still made it, he's made it through this run of you know four losses and a draw. I think it's kind of incredible, and I I kind of see this it is in, a big game for him. If he sense. gets if he it gets is. any kind of result, it's going to be massive. Yeah, yeah. even a draw. Yeah. What's going to be your uh, final picks for that game? I'll say uh, two nil Liverpool. Three nil Liverpool. Three nil. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go. Actually, you know what? I'll raise you four nil Liverpool. Another four nil after they did it to Southampton. That would immediately mean Saka is sacked probably that day. So. Well, it would depend means. on the manner. Like if it's if it's three nil at halftime. Right. And you, then yeah, you're getting booed, you, and you're getting booed by all your fans. But you know, if it's like if it's one nil going into the 60th or 70th minute, and Everton try to push to get back into it, and Liverpool hit them a couple times to finish the game, then I I don't think that's it's not the same thing. Like you were saying, Kevin, it's it depends on the manner of the result that yeah, could lead to this, this is one where I don't think pressure. anyone's expecting to win. They're hoping for a draw, and as long as they don't get embarrassed against the rival at home. It'll be okay. All right. Well, uh, Tottenham will host Brentford on uh, Thursday. That will be the uh, earlier game of the uh, two games Thursday, including the Man United-Arsenal game at 3.15. Tottenham, like I uh, previously mentioned, they didn't get to play their away game at Burnley on Sunday. It was snowed out, even though all the other Premier League games uh, around that same time and in that same region managed to happen. Burnley didn't have enough staff uh, there to, to clear the field in time, so they had to postpone the game, which Fuck is poor form for, uh, for me. You know, Burnley, you guys are in a region of the country where it's more likely there's going to be snow. You guys have to be prepared for this kind of stuff. Get it together, Burnley. Uh, that was actually like a game I was kind of looking forward to as well. Uh, but instead, Tottenham will host Brentford on, on Thursday. Brentford were in a pretty bad run of form themselves until they got the 1-0 win against Everton. Uh, it was only from a Ivantoni penalty, so I didn't manage to watch the full game. I'm not sure how good of a performance it was, but uh, they're you know somewhat back on track, and they'll yeah. I mean, Brentford travel was across a, London a draw to, and a to win Tottenham after three losses, and we were talking about them. You know, maybe get possibly getting pulled into the the relegation zone. I think that they're going to be like comfortable lower table, like second. You know, they'll they'll finish thirteenth, fourteenth, um, not really being a relegation scrap. But I think I think this this is going to be a good game. You know, I think like you said, Ivan Tony in the last few games. I mean, this season he's been one of the more threatening strikers, but hasn't been as prolific in front of goal. You know, he's missed a lot of chances. A lot of his shots have been blocked and stuff like that. Um, but he's he has one of the highest expected goals in the league, and you got to think that this guy's gonna gonna start banging in goal soon. And then for Tottenham, you thought that they looked better in the the Premier League game, but then they went and lost in the midweek versus. The, the team that was 0-4 in their Europa League group. Like, yeah, the well, not even Europa League. It, they, or, they went sorry, to, Conference they went to League Slovenia group. <laughs> and lost to uh, Mura 2-1 right at the death. Uh, Mura are the lowest ranked, coefficient-wise, the lowest ranked team in any UEFA competition. Human son, Harry League. Kane, they had like all their best players playing like... I was it a little bit shocked. It didn't help that Sessignon, Ryan Sessignon got sent off like yes. midway through the first half. Uh, so that obviously didn't help, but th- that's still not an excuse. It's uh, And it, it, it sparked some pretty, I don't even want to say controversial, but some very uh, plain talk from Antonio Conte where he basically just, basically just addressed that there's a bigger to- problem here at Tottenham that, you know, it's going to take some time. Like the general standards of not just the first team players, but 
the players that are supposed to be behind that first team and pushing to get into the, the sort of starting 11 picture are just not up to the same sort of standards that Conte yeah, himself so is used team, to. This team, they do not know how to work. Uh, they I do not do the proper work. <laughs> I'm going to kill them all, okay? <laughs> Antonio Conte should be suspect number one if any of these players end up found in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> Where is Antonio? I want to hear your Unai Emery impression, but not right now. Maybe some other time. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. So yeah, Tottenham. Tottenham are at home. They they did get the, the the win against Leeds, which you know kind of expected, but based off their overall form, even pre Conte was you know not guaranteed. This Brentford game, I, I still think this is a, a pretty difficult one for them, even if they're at home. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like a like a one-one draw. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Brentford's been a lot of fun to watch this year. I, I actually think Tottenham bounces and wins this one. I'd go like yeah, two-one Tottenham, maybe pretty close game, but Tottenham get the win. Uh, I, I kind of like a draw here, Alex, as well. Um, I think not playing in the midweek or over the weekend is going to be kind of a disadvantage, just in that Brentford will be a little bit more game ready um and i think i think it's gonna be like a one-one draw it's also an extra week for conte to impose to, to get in training right i think that's one thing it's gonna take a few weeks for conte to really put his imprint on the team i think you you, you saw it at chelsea it took i would say you know a preseason for him to really bring the team to to, to title winning you know level he may not be able to put all the pieces like you know perfectly how he wants them to play in one week but he just brings intensity and that has an immediate effect on players. I, I like Tottenham, but we'll see. And that, that may be what, what Ralph Ragnick needs to bring to United as well. So, All right. Well, unless you guys have anything else uh, to talk about, I think we can wrap things up there. A good amount of United and Arsenal talk, which is to be expected. It's by far the most enticing game of the week. I want to thank Kevin for uh, jumping on this one to uh, obviously talk about Manchester United. Uh, perfect timing. And, you know, again, Thanks yeah, so much for, for jumping on. Thanks for coming on. on this pod. I think it was, like I said, it, we tried to get you a few weeks ago, but this worked out perfectly. So thanks for taking the hey, time out, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have you again soon. Looking forward to it. You can follow uh, us on social media. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram is at ASMoss92. You can follow Javier on Twitter at JavierRev9. And for the podcast socials, you can follow at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening on an app that allows you to rate and review the podcast, we really appreciate it if you guys went ahead and, and did so now. Just good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to say. More ratings and more reviews helps new listeners find the pod, and uh, we all want to grow this thing. So enjoy the games this midweek, and until next time, see you. <laughs>